tinfoil hat. Oh, what the fuck are you guys even talking about? Global controls will have to be imposed, and a world governing body will be created to enforce them. Welcome to tinfoil hat. We, we, we go deep, homeboy. Eric, open your mind. Drink from the fountain of knowledge. There's lizard people everywhere. That's some interdimensional shit. Wake up, Aaron. This is only the beginning. Dude, you just blew my mind. And welcome to Tinfoil Hat. You know who I am. You know I'm here to do. I'm here to rock. <laughs> Man, I guess the uh, connection's slow. Uh, joining me as always, my partner in crime. He was a freedom fighter with me at the rally uh, yesterday downtown. Apparently, we went to the wrong one because it looked like the Huntington Beach one was popping. My good friend, Xavier Guerrero. What's up, dude, man? It was a hey. fun time. <laughs> hey, Xavier, can you tell us uh, about your podcast real quick? Oh, yeah. Uh, I started producing a show called George Press Stories. It's fun. It's a little crazy. We're out there smoking, chilling, strippers here and there. It's kind of like the Naughty Show, but without Sam. So Yeah, still going hard in the, uh, in the paint during the pandemic. Uh, also joining me on the ones and twos, Mr. Johnny Wooder. How are you, Johnny? Hey, man, I'm good. How are you? Johnny, thanks for coming in on Saturday. No <laughs> I understand that you, uh, you know, you like your weekends off. You're kind well, of. Well, no, you know what? My girlfriend's tanning at a friend's house, so I'm totally fine. Okay, so she she lets you out. That's so nice. She has, she already she already has you. She, you're on lockdown. That's right. Uh, Johnny, uh, broken simulation. The kids are all talking about. When do you think the new episode drops? Oh, I think it drops this weekend, my friend. Uh, okay, tonight, perfect. Saturday night. Saturday night, which is to, uh, tonight. Tonight. Tonight, new episode of Broken Simulation is out with every uh, rocking and rolling. Uh, people are talking about this might be the best episode yet. YouTube.com forward slash Sam Tripoli comedy. Yeah, go to YouTube.com backslash forward slash Sam Tripoli comedy or brokensimulation.com. Uh, I guys got to check out the Patreon. It's been rocking uh, new episodes every day. I just dropped a nine minute for the record on patreon.com. You can all, if you don't like Patreon, you can find me on subscribe star or premium content on YouTube. It's available all across the board. Uh, t-shirts are rocking. Go to uh, t-shirts.com. Get that. Get it. We got masks. We got t-shirts. We got everything. And as you guys know, what is that? What, dude, Duncan. Duncan, what did you just do right there? <laughs> I'm trying to pay the bills, and you're you're fucking with the simulation. All right, um, man. Real quick before Duncan blows our minds, uh, guys, as you know, we're doing a uh, small business, small business scholarships. So we want to talk about two scholarships we're giving out today. The first one is our good friend Ryan Hill, Don Carlos Tacos. In La Jolla, if you go to a comedy store, it's right down the street, and uh, all the comics love it. He's kind enough to come down, and get all the co- give all the comics a uh, free burrito or taco or whatever. Just go to eataburrito.com, and it is the best food in La Jolla there on Pearl Street. And what they're doing is really cool. They're also selling beer in mayonnaise jars, homemade beer in mayonnaise what? jars. Ryan Hill is 
the best. There's no better Mexican food in the whole San Diego area than our good friends at Eat a Burrito. Ryan Hill's kind enough, got me tickets to the final game at the uh, for the Raiders in Oakland, and it was nice enough to hang out with him and his entire family. They got breakfast burritos, vegetarian burritos, meat burritos, tacos, soft, crispy, rolled, you name it. They got chimichangas, nachos, drinks, fries, side orders, and they're serving beer in jars. Obviously, during this pandemic, you got to order out, but go down and support uh, small business, support Don Carlos Taco Shop on Pearl Street in La Jolla. Uh, Ryan Hill is by far one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet, and there's no better person to help than that guy. He's got gorgeous family, and uh, I've known him for years. He wasn't on the uh, conspiracy tip, but now he is, so uh, we want to help him out. Again, that's eataburrito.com. And then our second scholarship is going to, as you know, I can't even find my glasses, so I'm really into glasses. So uh, it is Payne's Glasses. That's right, Payne'sGlasses.com. Go to Payne'sGlasses.com. That's P-A-Y-N-E, Glasses, G-L-A-S-S-E-S.com. And uh, very cool. Uh, they are a super small company, only about 10 of them in the office, 10 in the lab. Uh, she worked closely with the manager. Their goal is to sell portable glasses. Our com- their competitors sell at $95. They start at $595, okay? Uh, full glass repair with an RX for just the cost of the frames. Our frames are th- under $35, right? Their customer service is the best in the industry. They take time to know their customers. They truly care about vision and needs. And she's not just saying that, okay? She means it, okay? If you wait on hold for 25 minutes to talk to someone, if you call us, you'll get someone within 30 seconds. You don't have to wait 25 minutes. They're uh, proud of their charity work, people helping people. We offer free, they offer free glasses to people who can't afford them, specifically made to their RX, and they haven't been using someone else's old, they don't have to use their someone else's old junky glass, glasses, okay? They're very small. They're growing like crazy. <coughs> and, uh, hey, dude, they're a small business, and they hit us up, but they're part of the swarm. So go to payingglasses.com. That's P-A-Y-N-E-G-L-A-S-S-E-S.com. So those are the two scholarships. I hope you guys uh, check out their websites, trying to help small business out there. Um, and that's it. So, guys, thanks so much. Let's get to it. Joining me is one of the original members of the Stupid Dummies sketch comedy show. Uh, Just to let you know how progressive the Stupid Dummies were, our opening act was Al Magical. That's how great our act was. (coughs) One of the the very in-head-of-its-time shows was uh, (coughs) sketches was called uh, Duncan's Got Cancer, where he went out on a sketch, and uh, we thought he really had cancer, so we all shaved our heads. And we did a Kojak dance. Joining me, <laughs> the very successful Netflix show, The Midnight Gospel, Duncan Trussell. Hello! Hello! <laughs> hey, what's up, man? Uh, Sam, you got it. You know what? I'm going to say it because I think people in the audience have got to be thinking it. You just got back from this rally and you're coughing. Yeah. Is that, like, is there, if I were you, and did this cough happen before, no matter what, don't you think this is the problem with uh, 
this is the problem with those rallies is not the substance of people protesting. That's American right, tradition. Right, right, right. But from a like, if I'm going to look at it through the lens of like the most extreme conspiracy theories, even whatever you want to call it, regarding what's going on here, right. pandemic, whatever, the idea that there there isn't really a COVID, it's just flu season. The tests are all fucked up. They wanted a reason to lock everybody down. Yeah. Uh, or there is a there is like a COVID and uh, but it's just not as bad as they thought. Don't you think like if that were the case, if any of the conspiracy theories are right and what's happening isn't just a pandemic like everybody thought was going to happen. Yeah. Well, don't you worry about going to a place where there's protesters? Someone could easily just go there and release COVID-19 into the crowd to take care of the protesters and to humiliate them and make them seem like they were totally wrong. Well, uh, that's a great point, and I think about that. There's something I think about that maybe this isn't the hit that they want to hit us and that they get everybody out protesting, so when they try it again, everybody goes out and they hit us with us. Uh, I would just tell you I've had that cough for a while. I haven't, you know, you can ask Martha. I cough at night. It's probably from some of my drug abuse over time. But I could also die, so this might be my uh, farewell show. Uh, either way, I'd rather go out on top talking to you, Duncan. I think. Uh, you know, I mean, like, it is what it is, dude, you know? And I don't believe that, uh, it, I mean, I'm, I'm a type O positive, which is very hard to get it. I'm in the demographic that it's hard for it to get it. And we'll see, dude. If in a week I'm dead, I would love for you to say nice things at my memorial. I'd be glad to. And uh, just talk about all the weird shit I used to do sexually in front of you while you just tried to talk me off a ledge. Oh, man. Now, my fetish is talking people off ledges while they do sexual things in front of me. You know, I'll tell you this, man. <laughs> this is such, this thing is such a mind fuck that, uh, I, I've never experienced something so profoundly confusing and, and claustrophobia-inducing. And I swing from I swing from like hardcore conspiracy theorists. You know, like uh, I was like forty percent of me was certain we were going to get hit by an asteroid on yeah, Wednesday. I remember that? Yes. And then I swing from that to like just full-on like fucking just do martial law let's lock everybody down for two fucking months of the goddamn thing birds out and we get to go back out in the world but then whenever i'm doing that i just realize like you know what i'm doing i'm just reacting to not knowing what's going on which i think is the most disturbing reality that's i think we can all agree on that i think if you don't agree on the fact that we all just don't know what's happening because it's a brand new thing it's a, and this is the first time we've ever done this before yeah. in, in, in the United States, locking everybody down. So that just that question mark, I think, don't you think that's probably one of the main things that's causing so much trouble? Maybe even more than the COVID-19. It's just the lack of death. I think I think there are reaction to what's going on will be way more deadlier and cause way more consequences than the actual virus itself. Uh, you know, this is a virus. It's for real. Things are really happening. Uh, the reaction as much as you say that, Sam, as much as you say that, when we were there, none of the cops had a mask. It's confusing. They're telling you that there's this COVID thing. None of the cops have a mask. And then when we're leaving, what were you doing, Sam? See you later, cops. Yeah, it was the weirdest, nice. like, it was the weirdest thing. Confusing. There was a point where stuff was going to pop off, and then it didn't. And then the protesters were like, 
saying goodbye to the cops. The cops are like saying goodbye to the yeah. protesters. Yeah. It's like a really weird, like nobody knows what's going on. So it's totally true. The only thing I do, Duncan, I'm not really into any of the um, guess, guessing what's going on uh, behind closed doors. I'm really about like, what is history shown us? What are, what, what do we know about past actions and, and how do they line up today? And then who gets money and who gets power? And that's all. And to be honest with you, Duncan, you know, when I watch your show, I, I like, there's a part of me that's like, that is so amazing what you're doing because you're, you're doing a, a different version of what I'm doing, but it's, it's more in a loving way. And you are included into the, you know, the reindeers let you play in their reindeer games. Whereas, you know, I come off as blunt force trauma and I understand that. And it's the burden. I, I, I sounds crazy, but I have to accept what I do because, you know, I have two kids that I really care about and I care about humanity. It sounds so stupid from a, a dick joke comic who flunked first grade that he's trying to do something that sounds like he's trying to save the world. But in my own little way, I'm trying to like go, hey, dude, something's happening here. We have this really great thing. And there seems to be these people hell bent on changing it. And maybe I'm just wrong trying to save people because people get, I mean, I lose people two ways, either politically or business wise. Like they don't want to do business with me, meaning work with me on stuff. And it sucks. It, it, it sucks. But at the end of the day, I, I do care. And I'm fine with being wrong. I'm fine. If someone says, hey, dude, this is wrong, I go, fuck, I was wrong. And I'll announce everybody is wrong. I'm not really in this to be right. I'm really in this to kind of be like, what seems to be going on in the past it with some very fascist shit seems to slowly be creeping in here and we're the frog in the pot. And so that's kind of what I do. And I feel like it's a really tough gig. It can get very lonely. You know, I have, I have Johnny, I have XG and I love them very much. I'm very thankful, but I know there's a lot of people out there that think I'm a little crazy person and, and it sucks, but I, I do it because like, so, you know, it's like, if you're quiet, just, Tyranny is allowed to thrive and it just kind of fucking sucks, man, because it, it costs, you know, I don't, you know, I make my money through what I, I, I eat, what I kill. And that's yeah. kind of all, all I got out there. But back to you and why I love your show so much. And Thank dude, you. I have my glasses right here because I could cry at some point and I'm not kidding ah. because, you know, as I caught up on your show again, you know, I got to uh, your mom's episode and. I started to cry again, you know, and we'll get into that, that episode a little later, but I just want to talk, tell you how important I think your show is. Thank uh, you. I really do. Uh, I, I feel like you've been doing the rounds, talking to all, all your friends who love you very much and want to get the word out. I want to focus on maybe something they haven't talked about so that everyone gets a new thing. And I'd like to spend the entire hour slowly focusing on how you prepared to sing on the show, the singing, the <laughs> dancing that went on, and your whole process yeah. on, <laughs> on basically this golden voice you have Thank and you. How, how important it is. Uh, wow. Yeah, no one has, has mentioned that yet. No one's asked me that, and I've been wondering why. I mean, I, you know, I... I I don't think you knew this. You know, I, I think some people knew I, I took some time off from doing comedy, and, uh, there, and I had signed NDAs, out the ass so i couldn't really say what i was doing but what i did is i went to rome 
and I studied in Rome with one of the great um, musical instructors, a vocal coach, uh, Leonido Di Caluna. Oh, I've heard a lot about this guy's whispers, though, whispers. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's his nickname, Whispers. But yeah, he, uh, and that's what he does. The way he teaches you, he whispers in your ear. But, you know, from the scrotum all the way up to the taint, all the way back to the very back of the neck, there's like three flaps that can be tightened, which improve a person's voice. It does, it's mostly just surgeries while, while he whispers to you. And then at the end of that, you've got a beautiful voice, which is what you heard on the show. And I'm thank you for noticing it. Cause I, I bled a lot to get to that point. You know, uh, I, you know, as, as you know, I had twins and you're not supposed to uh, allow them to watch television at this age of three months, but I have, have hooked something else that forces their heads to watch the channel when you start singing, because I feel like they yeah. need to accept, they it's need to know what greatness is, okay? They good. saw their first black person, which was Michael Jordan during the last dance, and now they've seen uh, you sing. So I'm like, let's get the goats. So you're gonna get the goat, you're here, you're in this world, you're three months in, enough yeah. with the baby bullshit. Yeah. It's time to start producing. These are the greatest. We have the greatest basketball player, and now we have one of the greatest singers to grace thank us you. in a long time. So I, I, I just wanted to let you know. Thank you. Almost and I, I owe a big thank you to the Gates Foundation because they've been the <laughs> part of the microchip implants that they're doing. Because, you know, I get it, man. I know and I understand you guys are a little worried about this stuff. But let me tell you something. Um, having met Bill Gates multiple times, wonderful man. Uh, and I get it. Yes, I am chipped. And yes, my biometrics are being monitored. And yes, apparently there's something in the chip called a, um, I don't know, some fancy name. It essentially paralyzes you. But like, <laughs> I like that because, okay, let me, and I, this is kind of why I wanted to come on your show, man. Perfect. Uh, okay, so my car, I, I, I drive stoned a lot, right? And my car knows when I'm going in another lane. And when I'm doing that, it stops me from going in the other lane. It's, it's probably saved me from at least like six mild accidents, right? These chips, they do the exact same thing, but oh, when I'm perfect. gonna do, like break the law, like when I'm tempted to do something that at the moment isn't, you know, going with like the guidelines of the WHO. You know, there's many times where I've just wanted to run out of the house screaming. And anytime I get right out the door, I, I freeze, I fall over. One of the Gates friends, that's what they're called, who lives with me now, he's been assigned <laughs> to monitor me, drags me back into the house sobbing. And then, it releases this incredible serotonin blast, which calms me down, makes me feel great. And if it's really bad, I can't even remember it. So <laughs> it's wonderful. It's wonderful, Sam. This That's new world impressive. that we're entering, it's great. I, you should get one. You're going to feel so much better. I don't worry about my kids anymore. I'm totally cool with that. I'm, I'm totally cool with that. Uh, your show, man, to me, is uh, symbolic of what we've seen. You somewhat talked about it on uh, the Joe Rogan podcast, your appearance recently, uh, about how people are thirsty for very intelligent uh, content. Man, they want to dig digest information. They yeah. want something smarter, and I can't think of a better way to do it than what your show is. I mean, but that also goes back to your podcast has been – very much that for a very long time, if not one of the first. I mean, even Joe Rogan's podcast started out him talking to his buddies and just 
you know, stories about Brian Callen getting fingered by men and everybody enjoyed it. But your podcast very early was very much diving into the, 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 the mysteries of the universe. Hmm. And it's been a very long journey. And I think your show is very important for that, Duncan. Well, man, look, I, I got lucky because Pendleton Ward started listening to my podcast and he's a genius. And he like he um, had a brilliant idea for a way to animate a podcast that I we hadn't really seen. It was kind of a little bit like Dr. Katz, but not with stand up with a podcast, but even not like that, because that's just a dude on a couch um, that just, you know, talking with a shrink or whatever. But there's some exa- waking life is an example of it, I guess. But he really had a, a vision about how to do it. And also we, you know, I love that. I, when I'm doing my podcast and the conversations we have, I'm having those conversations because I'm legitimately interested in those topics. I love the subject of, uh, Eastern mysticism, Hinduism, Buddhism. I love magic. I love all of this, all the strange, like esoteric stuff that's out there that doesn't make it usually doesn't make it into the world at least you have to go looking for it you know it's like when i was a kid when i was you know whenever i would go to the library the public library the first thing i do is go to like the occult section and look up the the magic books and read these like grimoires and freak myself out and you know people would leave weird little notes in them and shit like schizophrenic like writings like i can turn myself into an avocado my mind is made of snakes and you'd be like, holy shit, this is awesome. But I was always interested in that, you know? And um, so for it, it, it's a beautiful thing that Pendleton enjoyed the podcast enough that he like figured out a way that we could sort of wrap some really big ideas into something super colorful and fun. Cause that was, the, our idea was, you know, we want to show where if you want to like listen to a heavy conversation and hear some like, crazy ideas you can but if you just want to get super stoned and zone out and just watch a psychedelic apocalypse happen in front of you then you could do that too or both if you know you could go back and forth because you know what i'm saying man like when i listen to podcasts i don't really listen the way i listen to a conversation i i zone in and out sometimes i'm paying attention when something's interesting sometimes i'm not and that's what I love about podcasts. This is no big deal. It's like it can be background noise if you want it to be. So that's what we tried to do. That was the idea. You know, we, and I think the combination of everybody at Titmouse, we, we figured out a way to not be, you know, um, what's the word, corrective. You know what I mean? No one likes to watch corrective shit, right? And, and it would be easy to, like, put a podcast out that's got topics regarding mindfulness, topics regarding saying goodbye or facing your own mortality, or all the all the stuff that's in there and come across like you were preaching which is not what we wanted to do we and that's the character of clancy was meant to be like a like hope like me or like most people i think which is like he's just a you know he's, he's very um what's the word he's not focused you know what i mean that is a not a focused person he's completely trying to he's trying he doesn't know what he's doing he's playing it by ear most of the time to his and it's messing up his life but anyway, we did. You know what I mean? That that's not that's me. That's who I was over the course of my whole podcasting career. You know, that was me before I got my ball chopped off and lost my mom and my dad. Is I was like doing that thing where you're like, I could just fuck off for my whole life probably. And be okay. <laughs> and it's like, no, you can't, because eventually someone dies who you love, and because you were fucking off, 
you you didn't spend the time with him you needed to or you didn't say the things to them you needed to or you know what i mean and then it's too late and i and i think i, I maybe that's the re we're able to do it through midnight gospel without it seeming like it's corrective is because that's literally what happened to me you know and um and I think that's something that happens to most people. I mean, what are you going to do? Take this shit seriously? You're only here for 80 years. Yeah, right? And it just flies by. Yeah. It just flies by. Um, why? You know, it's, it's so interesting. I just had a cousin that was almost murdered, man. Just almost got murdered. Uh, she is like us. Sometimes picks the wrong people to let into her life. Uh, this guy was uh, had a past, and she looked past it, and he came to murder her, and if it wasn't for her neighbor hearing what was going on and calling the cops and coming to help, mm. I would have a cousin that's no longer with me. And, wow. Right? And it's like, that's just how, it, like, it's just real. It could be that simple, brother. And, you know, at, and when I found out, I called her, and I tried to start talking to her, and I was just trying to relay some of the stuff that, you know, this had all happened before your show came out, but things and lessons that you were talking about in, uh, in your show to her, because there's nobody around her that could even begin to talk about, you know, hmm. what we live in, what we, I mean, like some of your episodes just, I mean, the one with the guy in the prison, it's just like, to me, like, it's so spiritual and it's so deep. And it's like, how do you relay that to someone that's never even understood it, but except for the way that you did it through the show mm -hmm. and the spirituality that you, you really got across right there. You're like that we're here to learn and, you know, we can control our destinies by, you know, making the right decisions. Like all that stuff to me is like why this show is so important. Well, Sam, thank you. To answer, to talk about that episode in particular, that idea that you're bringing up, this is so one of the ways that I've heard it to, to one of the descriptions of to understand how long we've been reincarnating as a human being in this dimension. One of the examples given is imagine every hundred years a dove flies over the highest peak of the Himalayas, and, and the dove's beak is a silk scarf and the silk scarf brushes against the very top of that peak, the amount of time it would take the scarf to erode the mountain into a valley is how long we've been coming back into this particular plane of existence. And so, yes, and that, that, that idea, it, you know, when people think of reincarnation, they really do think about it in a way that is not based on a multiverse. They think of it as though like, well, you know, you can't reincarnate in the past they imagine that you die and you reincarnate after you die in the future but this is not necessarily the case and also the the concept of reincarnation involves an infinite number of various planes of existence including this one you know the animal realm hell realms the realm of the gods all this there it happens in all every single level and so I think one of the things that a, a human... book of the dead is that what we're talking about here, like the stuff that can be learned through reading that book and what that that information. That's right. Yeah, it's a Benton book of the dead. A little bit of the uh, Egyptian myth mythology made it in there, which is that when you die, your your heart gets weighed next to a feather, and if the heart is heavier than the feather, then you go to hell, basically. Or like you know, so a lot of different ideas about what happens after you die, but. 
they all fit really well into simulation theory, actually. But in, in simulation theory, the version of it would be that we're kind of player characters that, um, you know, are, are involved in whatever this, this quote game is, which would be, you could say it's really more of like a train training simulator that there seems to be some, uh, now this is the best, this is actually the optimistic viewpoint of it. I could give you the dark viewpoint of it too, but the optimistic viewpoint of it would be we're in a training simulator for young godlings and that because of the incredible power that we wield being sentient matter versus like uh, other forms of sentience which aren't embodied in the way we are and that we can do so much damage and so much good. So before we're released into an autonomous zone as our, ourselves, we've got to run this thing called our life over and 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 over again until we stop being selfish cunts. And then at that point, there's this opportunity to transcend. And then we're allowed to sort of graduate from the academy that we all got into. And the academy that we all got into, the human academy is considered to be the like the most incredible birth. That if you even get a human birth, it's like being accepted into the like most hardcore secret society in the universe of all time. And so while you're here, you know, you, you're being given a class. And the class is that this alien called the universe is forming around you to have this dialogue with you and the conversation is your life and it's a lecture and it's also an interactive lecture and there's tests and so throughout a person's life you find these moments where all of a sudden you're right you're with someone who's a fucking asshole who's done something legitimately wrong that you are right to do whatever you want to punish that person to get your pound of flesh to seek revenge but in those moments instead of doing that you 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 choose compassion not idiot compassion meaning that you let some freak like you know letting like sex offenders out of prison out of some stupid idea that they're <laughs> like that that's called idiot compassion but uh but true compassion meaning that like whatever your go-to reaction is to like nail somebody in the heart with some dark word or whatever you don't do that and that doesn't mean you you know that therefore they get to be shitheads it's just this concept of like you don't have to hurt yourself with your own instinctual desire to, to, to make people feel bad when they wrong you. And so, you know, that's the idea. We're, learn we're being taught, we're like basically in the very first year of a long, long, long graduate school called, you know, existence. And that's what that episode is about. That's the positive version. The other version is just like classic agnosticism, which is a little creepy, which is just that like, you know, we're trapped in a, in a, essentially a prison for, for where we've been completely manipulated and distracted by a constantly transforming demigod called the Demiurge. There's a lot of different names for it. And there's no way out. It's, it isn't like it's a fucking academy. It's like we're like little bugs that are under a glass, except we're not bugs, we're humans. And the glass is not a glass. It's like what we think is the real realm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And we're just being held like fireflies in a jar. And anytime you even get close to waking up or gaining gnosis, that's when shit really hits the fan in your life. That's when things just go south because it's like you're not, you, they don't even let you, it, whatever it is, you can't even get close to the wall. Like you, you can't, you can't get, you know, a hundred miles to the wall that you're instinctually trying to get to because it's so fucking powerful and we're just you're or easily distracted you know so that's the dark version of it 
You know, you pick. The version that uh, Duncan believes. A little bit of both. The light, the dark. What do you? What, what's Duncan believe? Oh, I. You know, I. Well, I think that it. That's the. That's kind of the. The brilliant. Okay, so if you go into the the either version of these, and you just look at it in terms of like, okay, I'm gonna. You know, whatever the simulator is, it's fascinating in the sense that it seems to be reflecting my own expectations back at me. So it's like the, the way the software works in here is not just like we're putting on VR goggles and we're looking at something that's being projected into our eyes. It's like our thought patterns and our expectations are shaping what we're looking at. So, we're, so it's like this, it's a fascinating merging of two there's things. There's no reality, there's only perception. Is that what we're talking about? What you perceive becomes your reality almost? Well, okay, so that's nihilism. What you just said there is a form of nihilism. And that version of it, it's like we're essentially like these like we're, we're uh, you know, hallucinatory fragments of nothingness that have this sentience. And we're just seeing all this phenomena swirl around us. We're organizing it into our, our, our the framework of our lives. And then somewhere in there, it's a really tragic condition to be in in that case. That's the that's a really terrifying version of it. I, I call that like malfunctioning universe yeah. where it's like the Big Bang happens something just went wrong and it gained awareness of itself and that was so fucked up just because how much that's as lonely as you could be you're everything and you know you're everything and there's no one to talk to so you just have this massive nervous breakdown you 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 and that's the big bang it's the universe having a, a nervous breakdown and every single one of us are these fragments of the universe's personality as it desperately tries to distract itself from the reality of its complete never-ending absolute aloneness and so this is a this is the idea of like if you feel lonely, you know, and like I was just watching this fantastic documentary on uh, 4chan and on this, uh, you know, these like 4chan, 4chan, like I don't know what they're called, like they're basically like a, a, a ISIS meets goths or something like that. You know what I mean? They're like very depressed people, but they're really upset because they've identified that they're completely alone. And, but they're associating that with like not having a girlfriend. They don't realize that if you get the girlfriend, you're going to feel even more alone. That's what's so sad for them. They imagine that like, you know, a, a relationship is going to save them from this suffering that they're feeling or this, this sort of never ending horror, which in Buddhism is called dukkha. Um, uh, so anyway, the point is, uh, yeah, that's a scary idea, which is like the, if you feel lonely, yeah, that's the right way to feel because actually you not only are you alone in the sense that maybe you don't have someone in your life right now, but you're alone in the sense that once you gain true realization, you're going to be all by yourself, just one infinite field of sentience with nothing else but you. And that's an alone feeling. Uh, and so that's a scary idea. I don't believe that necessarily, but I have thought that when I've been on a lot of acid. Um, <laughs> No, I don't think that. I think that uh, it's it's more along the lines of like a it reminds me of being a dad. Like, I think what's happening is more akin to like it just reminds me of like maybe the universe is some kind of playroom that we get put into when we're, you know, young, young in the sense, like only 13.7 billion years old. Duncan, do you, um, you know, the more and more I study stuff and the more and more I talk to people who've done deep research dives and. They just kind of tell me ancient knowledge and, you know, to me, there seems to be this kind of um, this movement to teach us what is up is really down. And 
you know, that there's this, you know, the whole thing is like, if you're looking into like Satanism, right? That there's this whole thing that we are all got. But then you take a look at like Hinduism and like this kind of like Tibetan Book of the Dead where they talk about this as a realm, like, are we mortal gods? And then we're, you, you kind of brought it up that we're here to learn like these, these lessons so that we can ascend to becoming immortal gods. Mm. And then we see that this, this has been kind of demonized. They've taken this, this kind of incredible information, which is, hey man, we're in a realm we're all gods and we're, and we're learning to control and learn how to treat people to help others. That seems to be the universal uh, 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 thing that we're here to learn. And then you see that they take kind of this, like um, this, this Saturn worship stuff and they take some of that and they throw it into Satanism. And then they take kind of some of this stuff about us being gods throw that in. Is there this kind of movement to kind of, uh, kind of confuse us on what what is really going on well i mean no i first of all with satanism there's so many branches of satanism that saying like this is what satan is particularly with satanism it's like tricky because you get like levain satanism you get the temple of satan and they all have different ideas of it you get a kind of romantic uh concept of satan as being like a symbol of the great rebel then there's like you know from there you can go like into like people who are into um, you know, some form of, um, you know, magical systems that involve making contacts with like, you know, extra dimensional beings that some people call demons, but that are really just like, well, anyway, we can go on and on about that. You know what I mean? But if you sort of look across the board at all the different ways that people are trying to figure out what the fuck's going on here, you could say that a lot of people seem quite confused in the sense that, you know, it's an, I think it's a natural, I think if you're not confused to some degree, then I wonder how, if you've really thought far enough into what's going on, you know, that it seems like a lot of, a lot of, you know, a lot of times it seems like religion in the fundamentalist sense is the, is a desperate attempt to fight the confusion with bullshit. And this is like, Chogyam Trumpa Rinpoche talks about this, which is uh, people will say things like, I had an experience that was so powerful, I can't even put it into words. I'm, I connected with God and there's just, I don't know how to describe it. And he said, those people are essentially people who have taken their confusion, put it on an altar and are now burning candles to it. They have... <laughs> They've gotten confused to the point that they think the confu they've mythologized their confusion and they believe that, you know what I mean? They're worshiping their confusion. So the, well, I think what you're asking is, is there a concerted effort by groups or factions of people to intentionally disrupt, confuse, um, do subversive shit to make people get lost? And I will answer that with something that uh, actually Aleister Crowley talks about. And it's a really terrifying idea. Uh, so, and it makes sense though. So like there's this concept of crossing the abyss basically, which is that in a person's life, subjectively, you have to essentially let go of everything you understand and have the courage. In Christianity, they call this faith. 
have the courage to understand that you're you're a tiny little tiny little tiny little part of a much bigger thing and when people get caught up in the idea that they're god the founder of the Hare Krishnas is divine grace ac bhaktivedanta swami Prabhupada says something quite brilliant which is it's like a photon thinking it's the sun because the photon came from the sun and is made up of the same energy as the sun but that that's not the sun that's a particle of the sun similarly whatever we are springs from some initial source but to think that because you came out of the big bang that therefore you are the sum total of all the energy of the big bang right now i think it would be ridiculous in the sense that look at look at me or you or anyone none of us are a big bang we're very tiny little bangs at best so what Crowley talks about is that at the very edge of the abyss, there is a something called a Black Lodge, which is a group of people whose sole intent is to keep people from attempting to cross the abyss, using a, whatever they can just to keep people from experiencing any kind of true spiritual evolution. That's Crowley saying that, you know, that there is like now. To bring it into my own life, this reminds me of shitty friends. You know that thing where you find yourself in a situation and you realize your friends are, are subconsciously trying to keep you smoking cigarettes or drinking too much or whatever the fuck or like or sucking your energy out? Yes, right. I've been dealing with a lot of that lately. A lot of uh, trying to fix crazy with as much love as I possibly can, and the problem is that crazy doesn't realize they're crazy and I, I i am a crazy person so i throw myself into that it's yeah. very interesting and you can't the other thing is you can't fit the thing is like what we have to work on it this is what ramdas says we work on our like the best thing you can do for the people around you is work on yourself forget trying to fix crazy outside yourself forget it it's not going to work you could try I mean, just give up the project and, and then just you start working on yourself as much as you can and devote all the time you were devoting to fixing all the crazy people in your life yeah. working on yourself and you'll get all your energy back almost instantly because it's just too much work it's like trying to paint a fucking house that like keeps like shitting out the wrong color paint on top of itself and you're in a war with the house it's like what are you doing though you trust me you if once you give up trying to paint the house and just think you know i'm gonna let the house be this like horrific goddamn orange or whatever it wants to be instead of always being at war with it you're gonna be much happier even though you're gonna have to deal with the orange that's what i've learned in my old age man but like the the um the so you know this idea as above so below i have yes. never yes. come into contact with a black lodge i've never come into contact with a nefarious sorcerer who's trying to keep people from crossing the abyss but i sure as fuck have gotten stuck in the gravitational field of narcissistic depressed people who anytime you start getting out of their gravity field they figure out some drama to pull you back in. So as above, so below. If on my level, I've run into people from time to time in my life that if I hadn't watched out, I would have gotten sucked eternally and perpetually into their drama cycles, never escaping, right? Then I would think it's a safe bet that metaphysically in some weird level, there might be people who are intentionally doing that uh, like in attempting to keep folks who are on the precipice of realization from gaining that realization by using a multitude of tricks. I wouldn't be surprised. Have I met them personally? 
Absolutely not. But only because I know that the opposite of those people exist, people who are trying to get push people over the edge for the better. People who are like, go, you can do this. You can wake up. You don't have to maintain, you don't have to be stuck so much in this sick, dark. Control your destiny. Yes. yes. So that people who like actively want people around them to be free. Yes. I assume their opposite exists. I just have been lucky enough to not run into them as far as I'm aware. You are a big okay. thing. Go on, XG. Hey, I was going to ask you, so we've had a, you obviously do a lot of reading and a lot of ancient knowledge, and we had a couple of people on, and you brought up the sun and energy. We've had uh, Santos Bonacci come on and talk about sun glazing. Have you heard anything about that? They're not saying, like, looking straight into the sun. They're talking about during the day or sunrise, sunset. Have you ever heard about that? Does that work? Well, yeah, man, I'll tell you, dude. I, I, I've heard, yeah, that is in, you know, there's a, you could look it up. There's in Hinduism, there's a lot of weird shit regarding that. Like, I've, and not just sun gazing. Like, I've had someone talk about you could do the same thing with the moon. It's like, you're, you know, I don't, I would not, I'm too paranoid to do that. But I'll tell you this I know that if I wake up at 5 a.m. and go outside and sit with the sun coming up, my, I feel, way different than if i don't do that i know that the just laying in the sun you know like it gives you more vitamin d you know just just it hitting your skin has a a quantifiable effect that has nothing to do with any kind of new age woo woo shit it's literally if you're depressed and you go lay in the sun you're going to make more vitamin d and that's going to make you feel better so if it's going through your flesh if it's like creating a hormone through your flesh then why wouldn't it have some effect through the optic nerve? I mean, if you figured out a way, that being said, don't go look at the fucking sun. You know what I mean? I, I wouldn't do it, but I, I, these things I'm, I hesitate to talk about only because it's like, sometimes people hear this shit and they're like, I'm gonna go stare at the sun. Yeah. And then they burn their eyes out. Cause it's like, they, you know, these practices, they don't, they're taught, they're like, they're, they're real practices that I think have within them all kinds of other stuff. It's like psychedelic therapy. People really forget the therapy part of psychedelic therapy. So they're like, ah, great. I knew LSD could help me. And then they just take acid. There's no therapy. And you know what I mean? Like usually someone who's being taught sun gazing or any of these things, they're with a person who could say, who could tell them like, oh, listen, you know, number one, don't just look at the fucking sun. Are you crazy? Here's, we, we look at it through clouds or we hold our hands this way or there's breathing exercise. Who knows? I don't know. But yeah, man, I do think... There's a lot to be said for concepts that involve there being a kind of uh, what's called prana or a, a sort of non-embodied energy field that you can tune into and draw into your body. And, you know, that probably originates in the sun. You uh, focus a lot, a lot on uh, meditation. Uh, you talk a lot about uh, on the show about meditation being practiced for death. Uh, how important is meditation? I mean, there's a lot of ADD out there. It's like, uh, I, I mean, we talk, I mean, like if I get this app on my phone and I, it walks me through meditation, is that the meditation we're talking about? Is that preparing yeah. me for death is, yeah. What are your thoughts on that whole thing? I mean, obviously it's very important. It's a big theme in your show. Yeah. Well, okay, full disclosure, I haven't meditated in weeks. I have a meditation teacher who was a student of Chogim Trumpa Rinpoche, David Nickturn. Thank God he's the most patient person ever. And also that's what I love about him is there isn't this like, you gotta fucking meditate. <laughs> Why are you not meditating? Even though he does say things to me like, you know, Duncan, I teach you how to meditate. 
So if you're not meditating, then I must not be doing a great job, right? But I love it because he's like, the patience is incredible. Uh, but I'll tell you, when I have managed to create a, a regular meditation schedule, a few things will happen to me. Uh, one, initially I'll realize how much I don't like sitting still. Now, to go back to what we were talking about earlier, which is like the wall, hitting a wall. If like, if we are in some kind of Gnostic prison, some simulation, it's curious. One of the curious things to me is why is it so hard for a human being to sit still and not do anything except breathe? Why? What is that? Why is that? To me, that's a suspicious thing. It seems to me that in some weird evolutionary sense, there's some benefit to not burning calories and sitting still, that there would be almost like a reward system in place for us to do that all the time. But no, we don't like it with a human sit still for any amount of time and immediately like, fuck, I got to go do something. I got to do something. So now that's curious to me from a, you know, one thing I think that will happen if you start meditating and the way that I've been taught to meditate is not the app thing. It's really simple. You can look it up. Google like Chogim Trumper Rinpoche teaches meditation. It's essentially First Google how to spell that, then Google it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll come up. It'll come up. He's awesome, but it, it's a very simple thing that involves just watching your breath and keeping your you keep your eyes open. You're watching your breath. When you start thinking, you do something called noting, which is you go thinking and then you go back to your breath. And so essentially in this you begin to realize like how chaotic your thinking process is and how many thoughts happen every few seconds that like you don't even notice like static just always you know happening so in that practice a lot can happen but one of the things is you become a little less reactive to those thought patterns but more than that you start really figuring out what the fuck am i because a lot of people identify themselves as their thoughts so just getting a little distance between you and your thoughts you realize that you, you seem to be something that is a little bit more than those thoughts. Now, I think that there is also an experience of like momentum of, of zeitgeist momentum where you sit down and you feel the entire conditioning program that you were born into trying to keep going while you're sitting still. It's like you've been on a skateboard going a trillion miles per hour into like all the various forms of sense gratification that have been put in front of us as methods to achieve happiness. I mean, look at a fucking Coca-Cola commercial. The implication in a Coca-Cola commercial is drinking fucking Coca-Cola yeah. is like the answer to find true happiness or a representative of what, like the peak moments in life. You can look up Zizek's, uh, it's called like ideology of a pervert or pervert. It's so good, but he breaks down all the conditioning in like uh, capitalism regarding so anyway, you sit down and all of a sudden, you're all the since you were a kid, you've been told like, you want to be happy? Go to Frank's roller skating rink. Get a Chipotle. You need to have the best phone. Look at these incredible apps. You got to play Candy Crush and get some new clothes. And then when you're done with that, you got to start singing. Get GarageBand. Learn how to use GarageBand. Learn how to sing and do beats. Do beats. Stream your beats on stream your beats on YouTube. And then when you're done streaming the beats, you'll get subscribers and more subscribers. Amplify the subscribers. Then you'll get deals and get the deals. This is a constant you know, crazy auctioneer voice coming out of everything, telling us a way to be that's gonna make us happy. And then what ends up happening is none of that shit works. Yeah. And so anytime you get this, the stuff they're saying you're gonna get, you realize, fuck, 
I still don't feel okay. So meditation, I think, is a way of, as a revolutionary act. If revolution means subverting the hypnotic siren call of all the, the sort of the, the, the sum total of all corporations that are inviting you to buy some shit. Because you're not buying anything when you're sitting still. It's boring. And that's what it's like literally boring. And I think feeling bored these days is a revolutionary feeling because it means that you are somehow momentarily resisting all the invitations to distract yourself. And so that's a cool thing to explore. And that being said, I haven't done, like I said, I don't do it. I fucking hate it. <laughs> well, I, uh, I find it very interesting about how we, uh, there's a lot of things that we like uh, boredom you know, how like, that's okay to be still, you know, yes. uh, to be offended. I, I, suddenly this became the worst thing in the, the history of time. It's like you're emotionally <laughs> reacting to something. That's, that's okay. Stillness. Okay. These are things that we're taught to be the exact opposite of simplicity. These are things that the society shuns. Everything's gotta be bigger, brighter, more expensive, shinier, and I just find it to be an exact opposite of that. And when you when you go down to stillness, you know, when the littlest things like hanging out with my daughters are like it's like such a spiritual moment. Yeah, it's so spiritual. But real quick, on uh, if someone was gonna start, like you're not an expert. I'm not saying you're an expert in meditation, but if you said, hey, I want if you I want to start meditating, what should I do? Should I just go in my bedroom by myself, sit in my car and clock myself for three minutes to five minutes of just focusing out, close my eyes and listen to my breathing. Is that what you think? Would that be a suggestion? Yeah. Well, okay. So, um, the way that way I've been taught to do it is, um, you, you, if you if you have a bad back, you could sit on a chair, put your feet on the ground, put your hands on your knees. You could put your um, fingers so that they're like right above your knees. Like you just, and, and this is called a, <clears throat> in Buddhism, there's a saying, not too tight, not too loose. So it's like, you're not doing some Shaolin bullshit. You're not trying to like do some, you know, like you're like sitting on coals and you're doing this like sacred, it's not really that. It's like, you're just sitting down and then you look at a 90 degree, uh, it's like a diagonal about six feet ahead to the ground and you keep your eyes open and um, keep your back, you wanna keep your back straight, you know, your posture. This is called, this is, this teaching is like, a, it's compared to like a, they call it like the warrior pose actually, I believe. And it's not like warrior like we think because in, in, in this teach in Tibetan Buddhism, the idea of a warrior means you're feeling everything. You're not a warrior is like heart is completely open. Your heart is com completely shattered. It's broken. You're feeling everything. But that being said, you're not like reacting to it. You're not like bro. You're not like completely fucked by that, but you're not it's trying to evade what is. So that's it. You're sitting with a straight back. And if you're sitting on the ground, get a cushion under your ass because your, your legs are gonna fall asleep probably. So you wanna get a little lift up so that your hips are up a little bit. Otherwise your legs are gonna fall asleep. And that's the other thing. If you got an itch, itch it. You're not doing an endurance contest here. There isn't like, I resisted wanting to itch my face 
for five minutes. It's your face. Then just go back to like watching your breath. And it's not spiritual breathing. You're, it's, you're doing what you're just watching what you're doing all day long. That you're, I watch it. You mean focusing, right? Yeah. You're just focusing on your breathing. That's it. Yeah. You're in, and, and this is called a gentle touch. So it's like the idea is like your focus is on your breath and the way it gets compared to the way like a, a butterfly lands on a flower. So it's light. So you're just like lightly watching your breath. You're not doing deep breaths or big breaths. You can, if you want, but really you're just watching your breath. And then as you're doing that, thoughts will appear. And when the thoughts appear, you go thinking, you don't say it out loud. It's called N O T I N G noting thinking. And so then you go back to your breath. You could do this for three minutes, five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, you know, 20 minutes is a great amount of time to do it. And it might, and if you start feeling so bored, you want to kill yourself. Remember that's in you. You've done nothing except sit still. The meditation did not make you feel bored. That's in you already. And the reason you might be doing all the shit you're into is because that feeling's in you and you think that stuff acts like a fire hose putting out a fire. When it really is a fire hose filled with gasoline, it just makes the fire brighter and brighter. So this is the practice of mindfulness meditation as Chogyam Trumper Rinpoche teaches it. And that's pretty much it. As far as the people who are like, man, I don't have anywhere to go. I'm in fucking quarantine. This is a safe, this is true. But bathroom, the bathroom becomes your meditation temple. If you're in a situation where people are walking in on your ass in the bathroom, I, have no, I can't help you. But like, go in the bathroom, turn on the shower. If you're in a situation where you're with people who are gonna make fun of you or whatever, they'll think you're taking a shower, sit on the bathroom floor, and just do this. That's a way that you could do it without being disturbed. If you're in a place where you, you can't find like 10 or 20 minutes to like do to not be bothered. And so that's that's it. That's pretty much it. Hey, hey, real quick, Duncan, can I ask you about uh, transcendental meditation TM? Because uh, you hear from proponents of TM that doing it improperly is, is almost there's a suggestion that it's almost like dangerous mm. uh, and that you need to pay this fee and go to uh, one of the courses and you need to keep paying the fee and get your mantra, this secret mantra slipped to you. Yeah. What do you think about that? Man, I never did it. I have friends who do it and they swear by it and they never were, they were never were like culty with me. Like you got to go buy your mantra. I mean, obviously anybody who hears that shit probably has a natural sense of like, wait, what? You have to buy a mantra. Like, you mean a word? Like honest to God, like just from a dark skeptical level. And I, I again, let me really reiterate. I have friends who have, whose whole life has been transformed by transcendental meditation. So if it's judge a tree by its fruit, that mantra must be worth what they paid for. Because I mean, literally like they've become, they report not just like feeling better, but like their acting's gotten better. You know what I mean? And it doesn't look like they're getting harassed. It's not, you know what I mean? That Like you go in and you do whatever the fuck it is you're doing, you get your mantra and it seems like it does something. I don't know. My contact with mantras has been through the Ramdas people. You know, there's already a lot of mantras out there that aren't secret, like uh, Ram, 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 Ram. Mantra meditation is, I guess you could, if you wanted to compare it to what I was just talking about, you could say instead of your breath, you're focusing your attention on the mantra. So now in, in people who do mantra meditation walk around and stuff that's kind of one of the cool things about it is that it isn't you don't have to like create this space where you sit still 
you could do this shit all day long in your car, in the grocery store. You could do it in your mind while you're talking. Like right now I can talk to you and kind of hear rom, 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 rom. So yeah, TM is definitely a mantra meditation, but I guess they're claiming that their mantras have some specific potency related to the individual and everybody has a good mantra that works for them or something. Well, well, That's ask, guessing. Asked a different way. Uh, you, I mean, I know you're in contact with a lot of people who practice other forms of meditation, and especially the teachers of those forms of meditation. What is the reputation of TM among them? Have you, have you had those discussions at all? No, honest to God. No, like they don't, I, I, it's a, I'll talk to David, the guy I work with and ask him what he thinks about it. I mean, you know, it's so cool. Like the people that I know in those communities, man, they really don't most there there doesn't feel like there's that thing of like this is the way in fact what's so funny the ramdas people on one side of the fence you have people who practice bhakti yoga which is this trying to fall in love with god it's a it's it's a, it's something you could call it eternalism it's this idea that there's you know gods out there that you can that you can love and that will do all this stuff that people on like the other side of the scale like zen buddhists and stuff who say there really isn't anything it's just this ever-changing thing. There's nothing for you to really sink your love hooks into. And if you're doing that, you're kind of confused. These retreats, they would always bring both of those camps together. And it was the and they always they disagreed, but they didn't disagree because they were both somehow connecting to it something, some something, some identical thing that was taking on these different forms. So yeah, man, I don't if you're wonder if you have someone you know is like having a rough time with TM or something, I've never heard that before, and I haven't heard anyone really talk shit about it. Also, David Lynch practices it, and I fucking love David Lynch. Yeah, he's he's probably my connection to it, uh, my biggest connection to it anyway. Although I do have a friend who practices it, and like you said, they love it. Anybody I've talked to about it loves it. But I, I've seen a there's a little bit of an expose online. You can Google Google it and learn some things. But I I don't know. Anyway, I just saw that. Well, you know, man, it's like well, people will pay for hand jobs. People will pay for comedy shows. People will pay for trainers at the gym. People will pay for all kinds of shit out there. Like when I'm going to like the gym and I get a trainer, I don't like scoff at him because he's making money teaching me how to do bench presses. But somehow when it gets into like spirituality, everyone gets all butt hurt. Well, I think it's because they've been abused so many times by televangelists and proselytizers. Yeah, and yeah I think that's it. There's nothing wrong with making the money, but the, there's some people who prey on the weak. When I think we're all talking about te a televangelist, not necessarily spiritual meditation people. Well, discernment is key, man. I mean, I do think that there is a responsibility. When I got my fucking cancer diagnosis, I didn't just stay with that doctor. I went and looked at a bunch of different doctors, man. I wanted to make sure... That I that the, the reports were correct before I got my ball chopped off. You know what I mean? Like it's a big deal. It's like if you're getting, you know, you there are charismatic people out there who are having manic episodes and they think they're Jesus, and they they will get you, they will get your ass if you're not careful. You do have to have discernment, man. Like, and, and if you're getting some weird feeling, if something's off, if like if if you, you're starting to get this weird sense, they're trying to fuck your wife you know what i mean if you're getting some odd feeling they eventually will try to fuck your wife that seems to be what the theme is right Dude, yeah okay. it's like you, you i mean I, I like look at that waco documentary man like david koresh was saying he was taking the burden of sex on himself 
Meaning that you didn't have to fuck your wife anymore. He would fuck her for you. Oh, dude, how nice is that guy? What a nice guy. And what's crazy about it is there, that guy was so charismatic and so powerful. And I bet when you were around him, he had a legitimate energy field. Because there is a thing called Bob, is what it's called, that you can learn to generate regardless of your morality. It is not based on morality. It's not based on whether or not you're a good or bad person. You can just generate this shit in the same way you can get abs. And so people get confused when they run into that. And they think that because this person has a radiant field around them and there's a tendency for synchronicities to happen around this person, therefore, they're right about everything. And this is just not the case, man. So it's an individual's responsibility to be discerning when they come into contact with anyone claiming some lofty thing, whether it's TM, whether it's David Koresh, I don't give a fuck who it is. I couldn't, can't agree more, dude. You know, uh, when I was watching that Scientology doc that HBO put out, or uh, I was just watching it, and then halfway through, I'm like, these people are idiots for, like, falling for that. I mean, like, I understand that the need and the desire, especially when you move to Hollywood, there's this kind of thing where, you got to be part of a group to get like breaks in Hollywood. There's this notion, right? And these people join Scientology because they want to be part of something. Uh, but the stuff that was happening, you're like, common sense will tell you this doesn't make it. But you're blinded by the hope that this leads to your, 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 your dreams, right? It's kind of crazy. It's, you have to you if your spider senses tingle, you got to listen to it. Yeah. And you should be with a person who you could say, hey, you're not trying to fuck my wife, are you? You should be with a person that you could just honestly say to them, hey, man, I'm getting weird vibes. What is going on? And like, if you're with a person who you say that to them and they get all offended or they're like, yeah, you know, this is because you are still asleep and don't understand any of that bullshit, run. But hopefully you're with somebody who's going to say to you, oh, man, I'm sorry. You know what? I could see why you would think that. And like, yeah, I, I am definitely trying to hump your wife. And at least, <laughs> you know what I mean? At least then. He's like, oh, okay, that's cool. I get it. You know, because, but, you know, I'm sorry to keep using the wife humping, husband humping, whatever. But like, uh, humping. you need to, you're, or, you know, like my, the people that I work with, man, I have. I have tried to offend them in countless ways. Like in the beginning, I was saying the worst fucking things that I could think of, not out of some spiritual sensibility, but just being like, man, I wonder what it looks like when this guy gets all offended and butter. And they would usually just laugh. Or I'd say to them things like, man, you know, like this guru, your guru, Neem Krole Baba, come on. Weren't you guys just on a bunch of ass in India and met somebody who like, kind of like, you know, and, and, like, do you really believe these miracles happen? And they would get this big smile and be like, yeah, I see why you think that. Because, they, cause like, you know, they had encountered something real. And because they'd encountered something real, there wasn't the insecurity that goes along with people who haven't encountered something real. It's kind of like, you know, it's like, fuck, what are you going to say? Like, I know you, listen, I know why you would think there's no way I ran into somebody who loved me more than anyone I'd ever met before and also could read my mind. Why would you believe that anyway? That's not something necessarily you should believe right away. It's profoundly, profoundly strange. And, and so, but because they had encountered it and not just encountered it in little doses, but like sitting in front of a nuclear bomb, 
there what there's not with them there isn't a there isn't that insecure need to be like don't ask those questions it's more like ask the questions even better we'll put you on stage in front of the entire retreat where you can ask the questions <laughs> that's what i love about them that's what they did to me really i find it very interesting we have you know whether it's bigfoot aliens ghost there's so much skepticism and even when given uh, a photographic or video proof just people don't want to believe you know I, I i it is my belief that the laws of physics were made to keep us within a certain realm of believing a certain group of things and that anything that falls out of that that is this kind of supernatural is instantly dismissed. Fuck you, get the fuck out of here. I'm on the podcast, you fucking idiot. What is instantly dismissed. <laughs> That's great. We just got a photo bomb by coked out fucking Eddie. Side um, dick Eddie. Side dick Eddie. Um, that's dismissed, but there is this realm of amazing stuff that happens outside the laws of physics. Yeah. That science can explain. Yeah. That is like so much to me just is what the real, the, the amazing thing is like what this thing we live in. Hey, hey, Don, can I ask really quickly, as far as you've, as far as you know, is there anybody like that out there now performing miracles? I mean, when, when's the last time we heard of someone like that? Uh, that well, yeah, there is. But, uh, All right. Really, I mean, like in India or right. in America, where? Well, you know, man, I, the, I, like you can like the, one of the things is like a lot of these people, they just what's so funny is they really don't want. I don't think that they 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 don't. There's like there, you know, there, there's like I think an understanding that they. There's the miracle stuff is great. The miracle stuff is a byproduct of something. I think it's like the way, like, uh, you know, if you like, it's like sweat if you're running or something, except in this case, you get miracles around certain people. There's a lot of, um, people, a lot of the Tibetan Buddhists, um, you know, again, this is, I, this is, this is secondary information from people that I trust. Dude. Do you think every religion has miracles? Because you hear all of them, Christians, Catholic, oh, we, we, there was this miracle here. Does every, every religion has its own miracles at one point? Yeah, man, I do. And I, and I think miracles are um, like a – miracles – I'm trying to think of the way to put it. When you experience one, there's – it's really – there within the miracle, I think, is the – in the way like a chef, you know, has a specific way they cook food or an artist has a specific way they paint. Within miracles, you see like this, like sort of, I don't know how to put it, like a signature of some kind of vast intelligence. And that's the, or, or a sense of what this is, what this, what this thing is we're in. And what, what I've grokked a little bit is just that it's very polite and it's completely aware of the fact that like, some people aren't ready for this shit, man. Like, to answer, sorry, like real, real quick, are you saying that it's the same intelligence coming through each person as like a portal? Or are you saying it's it's unique to each of the people who can do miracles and, and these kinds of things? Yeah, I think it's the same intelligence, actually. I think that it's sort of like, you know, the, the, the way Ramdas talks about miracles is, you know, once you get to a certain 
once you begin to really wake up, you, you everything is a miracle. You start seeing the miracle that you're already in. I mean, that's the thing is we're in a miracle. We're in a spontaneously, even if you look at the most scientific materialism, we're in a spontaneously created universe that bound itself together and it turned dirt and water into things that are currently driving around in cars and making spaceships. We're in a miracle. It's the most, just the optic nerve is such an incredible organ. The fact that we can transform photons into light is so, and, you, and forget the, that. Imagine the photon itself. These things are apparently growing in the mantle of the sun for like 50,000 or a million years or some shit. Then one of those photons comes blasting out of this sun, goes to the earth, and our eyeballs literally eat it. This is a, we are living in a miracle, but because we're living in a miracle, it doesn't seem much, like much of a miracle at all. So yeah, we don't appreciate it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But that being said, this desire, the longing all of us have to see something real, to finally get a, the veil lifted up a little bit so that we can look and see something, something that we know instinctually is there. I think it's a very sweet longing. And I think anyone who has it should listen to that and not write yourself off as being some kind of like delusional, you know, naive idiot. It's real. But I think what, because it, that we, at least from my opinion, we, I don't think we are the only things out there in the sense that I don't think we're just like some God hallucinating our lives. I think that there are things that are far more intelligent than us that have benevolent aspirations for humanity itself uh, and that they recognize that, you know, the way my teacher puts it is this, we do this in real time, meaning I always am wanting him to tell me some shit, you know, and I've, and like, I'm always wanting him to demonstrate this or that. I'm always wanting him to like, you know, I'm always wanting to see the things that, that I, I've seen in the past, you know? And what he always says is we do this in real time. This is where we're at right now. You know what I mean? What, how are we going to like start doing like, I don't know, some of the Tibetan practices, like they can apparently launch their astral body out of the top of their head and like astrally project while they're awake or they can melt snow by heating their body up when Hoff style or all kinds of crazy shit. How the fuck is he going to even come close to teaching me that stuff if he can't get me to sit still five minutes a day? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, it's, it's some, it's like first, you know, the idea is like, let's just do the miracle of gaining control of our reactionary impulses. Let's see if we could do that. That's a miracle. If we can figure out a way to sit still 20 minutes a day, that's a miracle. If we've been running our asses off all day long, every single day, those are true miracles. And then maybe if those, if you start doing those things, maybe you'll start getting whatever the next lesson is in this strange university that we're in. Real quick, Duncan, I know we, uh, you know, I just want to end on something real quick that, uh, you know, the episode with your mother really affected me. Uh, if there is any honor in these award shows, I don't know any episode that deserves some kind of award Thank for you. its it, its impact, man. Uh, it really hit me hard. I was sitting with my kids and, you know, when you were going through, you know, Duncan, you and I have a very interesting relationship because when we see each other, it's like, it's like, you know, I was South Korea, you were North Korea, and we were, we were siblings that they just 
broke off and then suddenly we get to see each other again and we're yeah. so excited and we love each other yeah when you know we go our separate ways we may not see each other for a little while we may not talk to each other for a little while just and now we both have families and uh you know but our journey together has been pretty amazing without you i would not be at the comedy store you know you 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 gave me these the, uh, the key you broke down like you basically told me how, what Mitzi's looking for you've had a humongous impact in my life you see me go from this kind of like out of control drunk crazy person to this kind of spiritual person yeah. to whatever I am right now I don't even know I'm just who I am you know wonderful person I would describe you as a wonderful person thank you buddy uh, but I remember when you were going through uh, all the stuff with your mom, man, and it was uh, it was really heavy on me because, you know, obviously it was much heavier on you. It's your mother. We hear it through the episode, uh, you know, and I remember talking to you about it and your reaction to it was like kind of shocking to me because you would uh, you were like basically saying that you were happy that it was coming to an end. And I couldn't really compute that, man. It was mm. very hard for me to understand that because I, I just, you know. I, I couldn't do that with my mom. I would, I would be, I would be a basket case, but you, you know, you were like, man, oh, I'm happy. It's happening. It's like, she's been in a lot of pain. It's like, let's get this over with those weren't your exact words, but that was like kind of the feeling that you had expressed to me at that moment. And, uh, you know, when your mom passed, I sent you a, 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 a text and it was like, Hey man, I'm glad your mom died. And, you know, and it, it, like, without a doubt, it is like, the one like joke that I, I, I like, <laughs> I wish I'd never, oh, I wish I'd never said, oh brother, because it was really bad and I really hated it. And you know what, <laughs> when I watched your, your episode, which mom, and I'm sitting there with my kids and it really like, uh, it hit me pretty hard. And you know, before the show, I was catching up on the episodes and, uh, it just like it was such mm. a, a a deep episode, man. It really affected me. You know, I'm sorry about that joke, and it was really fucking bad. Oh, uh, Sam, I love you, man. Listen, you and me. This is why I have friends like you. I have a few friends like you. And what I love about it is you and me. You're will not talk forever, but then when we do connect, it's like we haven't been apart at all. I only have that connection with like a few people in this dimension. You're one of them and I love you. You're like a brother. And also my friend, I am friends with comedians. And if you think that's the only joke text I got when my mom died and you're tormenting yourself, you forget we come from the comedy store, brother. I, I understand that the intention behind you, that text, I was not offended for a second. I understand the intention behind that text, the intention behind whatever the fuck Ari sent me, which I can't remember, the intention behind any comedian that sent me a shit a shitty thing, I know what was behind that. That's love. And I know that if like comedians are sending you those texts and moments like that, all they're saying is, I love you and I don't know what to say, so I'm gonna try to do a joke. I knew that saying I you you know that's what's behind it. Like, yeah, did like I laugh at that or whatever? Like, honestly, Sam, I didn't I forgot it I didn't even I, know. I have I, I, I when I got cancer you just seen the fucking texts I was getting for people and all of them many of them were like dark shitty texts but I knew behind it is just love man this is that this is one of the way comedians uh you know express affection for each other and know and someone outside of the world of comedy might not ever understand that and I don't ask them to but man listen Sam 
you no thank you for your apology apology fully accepted and i never once thought to myself that motherfucker why would he send that shit and also i did express that to you man because when you're when your parents have been dying for like four years straight and you're watching them begin to fade away if, you, if there and this is a lot of people who are struggling with parents who have a terminal illness one of the things they have to reconcile with is there's a part of them that wants the the process to end because not only is it like tremendously emotionally painful for you it's hurting the person you love the most who you don't want to see in pain who you don't want to watch slowly turn in to a skeleton you don't want to see that you don't want to watch their skin change color and you don't want to see them with a shaved head and so you know that at the other side of uh their passing is going to be peace and healing and they know that too and my mom knew that too and to get back to this concept of meditation being the practice for death this really is i think the way my mom passed away is a testament to a lifetime of having a spiritual discipline because when we did that podcast uh that was like three weeks before she passed and you it's maybe two and you could see how focused she was and you could see how loving she unbelievable. was unbelievable man and you know this is sometimes when people come to the end of their lives they don't have they don't they're unable to let go it like that in that graceful way and that's okay what it's not like a olympic competition we're not giving gold medals out for how people fucking die that being said we all love our family so much so that if you could find a way that as your body is beginning to shut down, that you could give love to the people around you. Because the we I think that's one of the predicaments dying people find themselves in, is they're more comfortable with the fact that they're dying than the people around them are. And so suddenly they end up having to be grief counselors for their family, you know? And, and so I think they're pre preparing for that moment and understanding, yeah, you think that everyone's gonna be coming to your deathbed and, and, you're, and, and comforting you. No, 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 no. People are going to be coming to your deathbed and you're going to have to comfort them. You're Death going to is hard, only hard on the living. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so getting like now, like getting into a place where we can sort of, you know, be still or finding just some way to not be reactive. I think just for that alone, and especially now that both of us are dads, I know that when I pass away, I want that experience to be as peaceful and comforting. And, and I want my son to know that it is possible to let go of your body in a way that isn't uh, traumatic. And, you know, uh, that to, so that that's one good reason to do the practice. You know, the other reason is what they say in the Tibetan Book of the Dead, which is if you drop your body and you're all freaked out, then it's a really, it can be a rough ride to the next incarnation, you know? So you want to enter into the bardo state in between this incarnation and the next with a little bit of, calmness you know because you're probably gonna get ripped apart by demons also let me just finish on this <laughs> let me just finish on this this is one of the trippiest things man that i found out and if any tibetan buddhists are out there and this is offensive or i'm wrong i apologize but i did get it from great sources regarding what happens so and this is really trippy dude when apparently the last phase of dying in the tibetan book of the dead is that you see a like various couples fucking 
Yes, dude. I told my girl about that, about our kids, man. Yeah. I talk about this all the time. Yeah. But wait, hold on. I don't know if you knew this part of it. Here's where it gets weird. You, I used to think you see people fucking and you're running away from demons and you run into the people fucking to try to like escape from the Bardo state. But the idea is you see people, it's essentially you're looking at like xhamster.com. You're looking at a porn screen and you into the same thing that where you finally pick the porn you jerk off to that's how you pick your parents yes dude i've <laughs> talked about that what i had twin fuck? girls picking the fact that i was banging their mom in a car as she's called me the n-word that's what they picked I, dude <laughs> I, isn't it the it's so like it's the most bizarre thing when you realize that when people who are looking at the people looking at porn are, it's like technologically recreating what happened to them just before they incarnated again. That's what that, and I'm wondering if this is why porn, people are so into porn. Well, it's not sometimes it is. Sometimes it's sometimes. It's yeah, not. unless <laughs> get pregnant. It's not like. A <laughs> hey, so I just want to end it on this, brother. Is that uh, I was moved by your mom. I, you. I never knew she was that spiritual and. Um, walked you through that stuff and it was an amazing episode and, and duncan i the show is very important man and Thank uh you. The, the other other time i've been that moved is when i went and saw uh the book of mormon uh live and the reason that moved me was because it's like this had this had so much important information and it was done in a way that it got people laughing and slipped in the truth. And that's, that's exactly what your show does, man. It, that's what your show does, Sam. This is why we are similar, man. And, and, and I think this is why we're going to be friends for the rest of our lives. I and hope so brother, man, it's so nice that you're signal boosting me on your show. I really appreciate <laughs> it, man. Thank you. I love, you know, I, I've been looking forward to chatting with you all day. I just love this so much. Uh, I, love dude, show. I love you very much, man. And uh, it's just, People don't realize, man, like where you were and where you are just to see this show like is so, like Joe Rogan said, it's the most Duncan Trussell thing you could ever see. And it's like concept of reality. I, I you know, and, and, and to leave it on this, the show grew from the Dr. Drew episode, which was excellent to like your mother's episode was just a growth, a beautiful growth. And it was fun to see. And it was fun to see the show hit its stride and to see that your dad right now, if they cut one of your nuts off, you still was a dad. Uh, yeah. I'm just so happy for you, brother. And it couldn't have happened to a better person. Brother. Thank you, Sam. Thanks all of you. It's great seeing you, Xavier. I wish you could talk more, man. Your, <laughs> your roommates are invading your space. Well, it's all good. <laughs> man, it's, it's a real, it's real fun hanging out with y'all. And I hope everybody. Your, your show was, your show was great though. I posted uh, it on simple on the Instagram page. And a lot of people were like, dude, I was on shrooms. I was <laughs> unedible out. And I did not expect it. And like, like we just talked about. Thank you, man. Thank you. Thank you so much. Johnny, thanks, man. I'll see y'all later. All right, brother. Love you very much. Take care, everybody. Uh, thanks for listening. We'll see you soon. Enjoy your life. You're beautiful, and we'll talk to you soon.